Hey, muchachos, you're listening to Hunter Collins on the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Fuck the police. Now you can sample or track your favorite comics and see our upcoming events. It's all right there at yuckyucks.com. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. Alright, what is going on my little yuckamaniacs? This is your host Jake Hirsch. Thank you for joining me on the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. What a great week I've had. I hope everyone is doing well. Everyone is happy. Everybody is, uh, is uh, you know, starting off at 2016 and making it their bitch. 2016 has kicked off so good for me this year. I cannot be happier. Uh, and you know, every year I say that. I've been saying that for about 20 years. This is the year, folks. This is the year I take over the world, domination, and uh, enslave the human race. No. Uh, Every year I say to myself, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And this year I didn't go into it necessarily with any expectations or, or any type of resolutions per se, but I went into it with a very clear head and a very focused mind, I think. Yes, grasshopper, very focused mind. Uh... I have a lot of goals. I have a lot of uh, projects I want to tackle this year, and I think this is a year it's going to happen for me. I, I'm going to be saying this in about 20 years when I'm doing uh, the uh, Chuckles Comedy Hut podcast uh, live from uh, from Winneka, Illinois. Uh, no, I, I hope to be saying this in uh, in uh, in next year's time, looking back and saying, "Wow, what a great year 2016 has been." But I, I really wanted to come into it. Uh, thinking that uh, I'm not going to put any real pressure on myself. I'm just going to continue networking with the right people, uh, meet right, uh, you know, try to meet the right people and, uh, you know, network as best as possible. Try to talk to the people that are in the know, people that have been in this business and been in this industry for a very long time. And, uh, you know, just meet up with the right people. I did have a chance this week. Just so happened, just so, just so happened to be hanging around the hotel and who did I run into? But the one and only, Mr. Steve Patterson. Yes, Steve Patterson. This was an interview, and I'm joking, by the way. I didn't just bump into him. Uh, we we actually scheduled the interview. He was he was kind enough to let me into the into the uh, Alibaba suite where he was staying and uh, invited me in for a solid 45 minutes. And by the time we were got done watching CNN's Snowmageddon, which was uh, live. Uh, uh, on CNN. Uh, next thing you know, we're we're knees deep in a great podcast. And I, when I talk about a great podcast, I'm talking about the type of podcast where even the guest says he had a good time. <laughs> yes, Steve Patterson even said on on the podcast that he that that he had a great time, or or that he you know. And I okay, I get it, I get it. I know a lot of you right now are, are thinking, well, what the hell else is he going to say when there's a 300 pound Mexican standing in front of him? Well, of course I had a great time, sir. <laughs> I'm not that intimidating, I promise. Steve and I hit it off. Great guy, great interview. I'm telling you right now, this is one of the best interviews that I've had the opportunity to sit down and talk to somebody who really, really, truly has been around the Canadian business for a very long time. Not only that, but has uh, found a lot of success in a lot of different areas. And what I've what I've come to find out 
uh, when it comes to Canadian entertainment business is a very common theme that I had spoken to a lot of guests before in the movie business. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the advice is the same across the board, is that people are very, very handy. They're very, they're, they're, they play a great utility. They know how to do some acting. They know how to do some broadcasting. They might do a little stand-up. They write a little bit. You know, they know how to work a camera if need be. What I'm trying to say is that people are versatile in this business. They don't pigeonhole themselves uh, into one craft, really, and not try to expand it and make themselves a little bit more, um, I guess, I don't know, appealing to to the entertainment business. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Uh, if it's a matter of, of you know, making it more accessible to the business because, uh, you know, if, if you're a jack of all trades uh, and only master of one, the chances of you getting your foot into the entertainment business is probably going to be a lot better. Steve Patterson is one of those guys. He's found, like I said, success in a lot of different areas, not only in the stand-up comedy uh, arena, but of course in uh, TV uh, and of course, uh, writing and producing and doing all those types of things. Uh, we talk a lot about that in the interview and we talk, I think the cool thing about this is that we talk about, uh, what's up next and what's he's, you know, what he's working on. And some of the projects that we talk about are, are definitely cool. I hope you stick around and listen to the entire interview. Uh, like I said, Steve Patterson was an absolute, joy to have on the show. Uh, really great half hour of conversation. So uh, I hope you guys like it as much as I did. Also, I wanted to chew your ear a bit here, if that's okay with you. Uh, I would like to, I don't know if the word is apologize. I don't know if it's maybe explain a little bit better, but I've had feedback on the show. Um, I've had people email me. I've had, I've talked to people. I've had people write in. And thanks be to Christ that there hasn't been any, you know, real negative feedback on the show. I think for the most part, people have really enjoyed it. Uh, our numbers are still looking great. Uh, you know, we're still uh, doing great on the iTunes, uh, the front page there on the What's Hot, and and we're we're doing great. We've got some great, great interviews. But I think what happens is that there's some interviews that people listen to, and they're just floored by. They're like, wow, that was, a, that was an amazing interview. And there's some interviews that we've had where people are like, eh. Yeah, you kind of asked the same questions. Uh, you know, you kind of it felt like it was a bit more cookie cutter. I agree. I agree. I do not take exception to that because I do agree to a certain point. Now, granted, some guests are not as comfortable behind the mic talking about their personal lives uh, as other ones are. Some, you know, come with a lot of stories. Some are raring to go and some have the look on their face of, who the hell are you and why are you in the green room in the back of Yucks trying to interview me about my childhood? Uh, yes, I can see where some episodes it feels like I'm just repeating myself and some of the same questions because let's be honest, sometimes it's hard to gather information out of, you know, some people, like I said, don't want to just be an open book about things. You know, some people probably get asked the same question over and over again in interviews and, and stuff like that. And I, and I'll also, I'll, you know, I'll, try to explain things a little bit more clear is that not all of my guests do I have the opportunity to, to do a ton of research on. Now you're interviewing someone like Steve Patterson. I can go back 10 years or, you know, 15 years and get information from an interview that he did uh, with a magazine or a newspaper or, you know, talk about a time spent in his career at a certain place or at a certain time with most other comics. 
you know, we're trying to give them a lot of marketing. We're trying to build up some of their names and their brand. And in case people on the West Coast don't know about a comedian on the on the East Coast or vice versa, that's what this show is all about. This show is is all about featuring people that you might not know who they are and and getting to know them on a different level. Maybe you saw them at the club and you want to go home and you want to find out more about them and maybe you become their biggest fan. That's what the point of the show is, is that we expose some really great talent for you to get to know, for you to follow and you for you guys to become fans of. So I hope that clears some stuff up. Um, some interviews are going to sound obviously a lot more uh, prepared for and educated on. And the only reason why some of those questions are in depth on some interviews, and like I said, not in depth in others, is strictly based off of research availability. Not everybody has done tons of media and tons of print that I can go back and research on. So anyway, I hope that made sense to you. On to the show. Uh, Steve Patterson. Cannot say enough about the guy. Great interview. I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump. Uh, But no, uh, I think Steve Patterson really uh, exemplifies a career that, you know, and, and, and talks about some of the, the people in, in his career, uh, that he's able to work with. You know, he is like on the CBC, uh, show the debaters. Uh, he's been a host there. Obviously people know that's the type of work that I've always wanted to try and do and, and try to get into. So when I get to interview somebody who's out there doing the things that I would love to do, um, it, 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 it's fascinating for me and it really makes for a very fascinating interview as well. And uh, not only is he, like I said, uh, in the media, but he's also, uh, you know, constantly uh, on the road doing comedy and corporate events and, and the whole nine yards. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm not going to continue blabbering on here. Uh, special thanks again to Steve Patterson for for giving us this interview. It was an absolute honor, sir. And I look forward to seeing you again. Let's go talk to Steve. So I'm sitting here live with uh, Mr. Steve Patterson, man. Huge fan. Hey, Jake. Thanks, man. Cheers. Wow. And the, uh, we're in the Alibaba suite of the... Uh... <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is where I will live from now on if I have that option. I feel like uh, I feel like the guy in the Wes Anderson film when Gene Hackman character that lives in the hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about the Tannenbaum. That's an old one. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Royal Tannenbaum. If I was going to live here, this would be the suite I would live in. This is dynamite, man. And we bonded over our, our coffee drinks, which yeah. is a pretty pretty rare form because I always get the stares when I order a tall mocha, no whip. Well, no non-fat usually because I'm yeah. like 300 pounds, so that probably doesn't yeah strike the, the counter girl very well. She's like, what the well, hell you are you watching? You got to give it a your- shot. You know, you get used to it. So. <laughs> so there's so many questions I want to tackle here, but let's start back at the beginning. Uh, you're an Ontario guy, right? Born and raised up there? I am. I am. I grew up in London, Ontario, just outside of Toronto, like an hour and a half outside of Toronto. So, right, right. Um, it's it's nice to be uh, from near Toronto, but yeah. not having grown up in Toronto. Because right. uh, even when I was working as a waiter in Toronto, people would immediately just know, just know I didn't grow up there it's just you're right. a little bit friendlier i think if you don't grow up in the big you're not big, a hardened from the big city, right the city. Yeah. yeah yeah that's true i find that yeah a lot of cities are, are definitely like that uh tell me a bit about like what was it like growing up over there you come from a big 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 family or anything or what was it like uh i've uh four older brothers four older so brothers. i'm the youngest of five Holy and shit. uh that's uh 
it's it certainly makes you uh, it makes you fight for your dinner a little bit because you're a lot smaller than them and a lot younger. And if you want to eat, you got to get in there. And they don't they don't care. Yeah, they teach you to be tough. And you know, you get a platter of food and you fight for every scrap. So, I think that um, that kind of help help me. And also, it makes you develop a sense of humor when your brothers are all much bigger than you and yeah. you don't want to fight all the time. So you just try to joke your way out of it if you can. <laughs> well, I come from a pretty big, like I got three other brothers. Okay. But uh, I, it, you know, for me anyway, I don't know if it was the same, same, same thing for you, but growing up, I mean, the dinner table was kind of our, our showcase theater. That's where everybody would kind of hang out and tell jokes and put on, you know, put on shows for everybody. Was it pretty similar for you? Did, did you guys have a pretty funny family growing up? It's funny. It's sort of the exact opposite for me. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. I was terrified. I mean, all my brothers... All my brothers think of themselves as a comedian. They make fun of me that I'm the one that you're is. You're the one who actually did but it. But they can't, uh, they're, they have great senses of humor, all my brothers, but they, they can't get to the joke without laughing first. That's their problem. <laughs> they can't do the joke. They just laugh through it. You can't understand what they're saying, but they think it's hilarious. And my, uh, my second oldest brother, Larry, uh, is a big, big mechanic, knows everything that you can know about cars. And he right. would, I remember, we didn't live in the same house much because he's 16 years older than me. Oh, okay, yeah. Sure. Um, but uh, he would just eat through. My mom would try to say grace, and then he would eat through the grace. And then my dad, <laughs> it is every meal. My dad would be like, "God damn it, Larry!" And my mom would get mad at my dad for swearing during grace. And then that, and then Larry was gone. Like Larry was gone by the time I took my first bite of food because he ate through grace. So that's, oh, that's how that's I grew brilliant, up. man. <laughs> But you, because you didn't go like you didn't get right into comedy after like high school or anything like that. You took some time to you went to university, you did some copywriting stuff, and and uh, kind of went the more of the professional route. But uh, you were doing, uh, but you were kind of still kind of dipping a toe into the comedy world, right? Doing some open mics and yeah, I never stuff. I never thought of it as a, as a as a career, and I sort of got uh, you know not pushed into it, but I mean, my friends that I was at university with at York were, were saying, you gotta, I would obviously just kind of joke about what was, whatever was in front of me. And right. they would say, you've got to try stand up. And I never thought of it because I was in, you know, I was at York university to go to Osgoode hall law school. And I was right. kind of taking all those courses. Um, and then one night they just signed me up for an amateur night. And didn't tell me. So that's why no to way. this day I'm, I'm not the most prepared comic in the world, probably, <laughs> but I like. Uh, it doesn't scare me to go up there and not yeah. know exactly what I'm going to say because that's how I started. And it, I took a lot of time off between that first set and right. and going back up because uh, yeah, I didn't really think it could be a job, and I, I wanted to have a degree, so I am, I end up with a business degree that I can <laughs> that I could fall back on. I guess it's getting kind of late now, Jake. For, uh, <laughs> Twenty years later, years, yeah. <laughs> Twenty years later, I'll maybe give it a shot, but. Uh, but um, it is nice to have that, I think. And a lot of my, I've got a lot of good friends that are lawyers now, just yeah. through school associations and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, everyone comes from a different way. I, I you know, I, I understand there is a school you can go to for comedy in Canada, or maybe, and I didn't do that. There, but you can come from any sort of different background and bring what you, what you bring, you know. Yeah, definitely. And, and was that for you though? Because when people think of a career in comedy, well, first off, like you like you had said, I mean, it's not necessarily people think of a comedy as a career, but you know, when you speak to a lot of comics that are up and coming, and I would imagine it'd probably be the same thing, you know, when when you were first uh, on on the scene, but uh, stuff like you know sleeping on couches and and going show to show on you know for a hundred bucks or or uh, 
or you know things that take a lot of commitment house kids wife that's comedians that's like the last thing they think about when they embark <laughs> on this career what was attractive to you about saying i'm going to take a risk for all this um i think that i gave myself the freedom to do that because i didn't have uh, it's it is tough on relationships for mm-hmm. sure and you're you're constantly traveling and you're taking any gig you can get anywhere it is sure and it has to be a leap of faith some of the comics you know canadian i'm just talking about canadians mostly some sure. of them some of them go down to the states and try to get something going down there right some go across to the uk i found a way i like ireland that's where my ancestors are from so right. i went to ireland and started doing shows around there and immediately, when, once you've had some success other places and you're not available all the time to yeah. the bookers here and you sort of say to them, look, I'm only in the country for these two weeks, so fill them up with shows. And, sure. and you kind of get yourself in that rhythm. Yeah. And it's the only way you can get better is to be thousands and thousands of appearances on stage. There's just no, there's no substitute for stage time and live shows and working in front of audiences. You can't yeah. stand there and practice in front of a mirror or a wall sure. and then think that's going to be the same energy as a live show. So you have right. to go do them and it's, you have to prove that you can do them anywhere. And I say anywhere that you can speak English, but some, yeah. some people have broken through that too. And they, <laughs> you know, if yeah. you, kudos to you know, most comics. Aren't very fond of I've mine. I've talked to but... a couple. <laughs> but kudos to them. They can, they don't have a language barrier at all. Good for them. Because I've talked to a couple, and they're like, "Yeah, I just wrapped up a show in, uh, you know, like we're Indonesia or you know mm-hmm. Thailand or you know what." And I'm just like, "What the hell does that show look like?" All right. But I would imagine there's a lot of expats out there and and uh, people who are probably you know chomping at the bit to see somebody that. That resonates some, yeah, yeah, humor back back home. Did you find that when you were performing in those places, because you've performed all over the world, mm-hmm. do you find that your comedy resonates? Like, did you ever have to manipulate some of your material in order for it to uh, to fit to where wherever I, you were? I personally always do that. That's just the way that I, um, I've always wanted to do it. I, I don't right. like to do the same show night after night. Right. And there are guys that do that, and girls. Lots of funny ladies. I hate to just say guys. Um, there are comics that do that, and they're great at it. They can sell it every night. Sure. And certainly, you need to have a you know a material that can go from place to place right. to draw on. But I love to make the jokes about where I am, and when I'm here in Calgary, I'm going to talk about you know what's going on in the world and how it's affecting Calgary, and it happens to be affecting them more than anybody else in the country, the economy Absolutely. and stuff right now. Sure. So where I can bring that material up here i would do it in a different way than i would do it in toronto or Mm -hmm. or on the east coast and and i like to kind of find out about where i am and it's sort of helped me to do i host a lot a lot of awards shows canadian screen awards and things like this and Mm -hmm. writers trust and i like to write stuff for the audience that i'm facing and it's more work because you know you, you you have to sit down and write it and you don't know whether it's going to work or not sure until you do it yeah but i prefer that to you know here's the same jokes for 10 years or yeah something. and that it brings me back to a, a quote uh, that you had said a while back you said uh, you've got 80 percent downtime you've got all day to take in a new environment this is thought when you're talking about traveling comedy shows um you can take in a new environment that you've never been in before. I guess you could just slack off and sit in your room and smoke pot, which is what many people do, but you've been paid to travel somewhere. Why wouldn't you incorporate that into your writing and feed it back to the people? 
that's pretty sounds good jake i don't know i don't know when i said that but i still stand by that yes i do still agree with that you should look whatever around. i whatever i bring up quotes people give me the first look of like oh jesus christ what is he going to say but yeah i i was reading that that quote and i thought there is a lot of people that get very comfortable and they you know tend to make the hotel room their 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 nest and they don't really venture out too much or they don't really are not overly aware of what's happening in the city that they're in it's the right. same show you know so that's very interesting that that you that you make that uh, where do you get the inspiration for when you write do you have to sit down and actually dedicate time to write or, or does it just come off of personal observation i think that you should always have, the best creation in the world to me has been the uh the voice memo on the smartphone and yeah. I always will record stuff as I'm walking around and then play it back and I have so many uh, I have so many I never never really know what to call them because sometimes I'm not talking about anything so I have so many files under voice, voice memo that just say rambling or new recording <laughs> so I have to hear it back and hear what the hell I was talking about but I mean I did used to do it I was one of those guys that actually did carry around you know a portable tape recorder before the phone could do it and, yeah and would just record things as they occurred to me and and kind of listen back to it before the show and, and see if I could incorporate it into the show that night. And I don't physically write down as many things as right. I used to because I find that gets in the way of uh, delivering it. I, I find I'm, in my mind I'm reading it on a page right, and, right. Uh, and then I can't really deliver it. But the way I've figured out how to incorporate written stuff is I write letters and I read them during my stand up and uh, I, yeah that's something like even on your newest album uh, which we'll plug here in, uh, cheers. in a second um, yeah you bring out the letter uh, for gay marriage or something like that yeah that opponents was just, of same sex marriage that, yeah. that was beautiful man oh cheers and I great. actually have a before I forget if it's okay I have a book that thank god a publisher came to me and wow. said we will We'd like to publish a book of yours because I would have never thought of it, but it's called The Book of Letters I Didn't Know Where to Send. No way. And it's coming out this, this fall. Awesome, man. 2016. That's yeah. amazing. And it's, uh, but that's, it, they seem to resonate a lot, mm -hmm. some more than others with, with people. Yeah. Like I have one that I do, that I've done the last couple nights here to Canadian oil companies. Right. And, uh, you know, <laughs> probably, I did it actually to a group of executives of Canadian energy companies two nights ago. <laughs> And it might, you know, it was a risk because they're right. either going to have a sense of humor about what's about going it, on, yeah, or they're going to not. And sure. fortunately, they they did. They so, were on board. Yeah. But comedy, you know, if you don't take a risk, you'll it's just going to be very run of the mill comedy. So, who are some of your heroes uh, when you start first started out in comedy? I'm sure the landscape was very different comedy wise. Uh, I, I say this all the time, but it's like you know, people that uh, I, I talk to that are. You know, oh, I'm a fan of comedy. You know, I love guys like Louis C.K. They don't realize that Louis C.K. has been doing this for 20 years. Right. They don't realize that Steve Patterson's been doing this for 15, 20 years. You know what I mean? So yeah. who were some of your heroes back then that you looked up to in comedy? And, and were there, was there anybody there that was, in a sense, an important role to you as like a mentor, someone who turned around and kind of helped uh, you out? I, that guy, for me, is Derek Edwards mm -hmm. uh, in Canada. And I still would put, you know, I, I say his name in every interview mm -hmm. I think that I've ever done. And he should pay me something. I've, <laughs> I've given him so much props. <laughs> Some residual checks coming in now. <laughs> but he is absolutely my favorite comedian in the world to watch. I mean, over, over and above um, any of the, the big names, you know, I think that there's an. Uh, an element of I don't want to call it luck or mm -hmm. some extra thing beyond funny that that the famous comedians have and it's nothing against them but I find that there are 
many comedians much funnier than a lot of high profile people sure that uh, you know maybe they don't play the game as well or something right. and, and that's you know kudos to those people for playing that game but pound for pound straight stand up Derek Edwards is my favorite in the world and I remember the first weekend I got to work with him mm-hmm. opening up for him right and uh, just watching every minute of every show and just being in awe that he would he had so much material right he always started off with stuff about where he was, which is, which is what I like, obviously. Yeah. And uh, and his his delivery is just so so perfect and so unique and so genuinely him mm-hmm. that you couldn't you know there's lots of people that do try to emulate him sure. in Canada and I think you know once I'd done that show I think someone came up to me a couple weeks after and said. You're starting to sound a little like Derek Edwards, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I didn't mean to steal it. It was just listening to him and like, sure. you know, subconsciously. So I think I found my own voice now. It's yeah. taken a while, but uh, <laughs> but that that's the guy for me. And you know, he we've become friends now, and it's amazing to me that you know we've had him on debaters, and yeah, and he's very complimentary of what I do, and that's that's a huge thing for me because that is like one of your one of your heroes that's amazing giving you uh props and saying you know you're doing you're doing all right and yeah. he's we've never really sat down and said what's funny what's not funny but sure. just to be able to kind of sit down with him sometimes and jam yeah. jam ideas and uh make him laugh is uh that's that's a big goal of mine so. that's amazing man that's amazing you, you talk about uh the debaters, which just came off of uh, the like, 2015 I like that season. way of saying it. De- the debaters. <laughs> the debaters. <laughs> <laughs> that's your time. That's my American. That's, that's your time in Houston coming out <laughs> there. My, We're listening America to the debaters <laughs> here on CBC Radio. <laughs> I actually do that a lot. I, I, I mince words quite a bit, and people once in a while people will catch me on the uh, on the Southern Twang once in a while. But uh, no, you're just coming <laughs> off of a, of a huge season there. You hosted all the episodes uh, for this past season, right? I've hosted. Am I it correct th- in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have hosted it. Uh, Sean Majumder hosted it the first season. It was around. Right. They tried a couple of guest hosts because right. Sean couldn't do it anymore, and. Uh, and I took over in the second season, and I've I've hosted it since two thousand and seven. Every every episode, yeah. Since. So wow. it's nine uh, it's nine years now, and uh, nine seasons, eight years, and uh, yeah, I don't know, countless debates. But um, you've had I've, some fabulous guests on there too. For some sure, really fun fun people. Yeah, on there. I love it. I love it. I love being able to share literally share the stage with other stand ups, as opposed to I was on the same show and then I did my thing and then they did, they did their theirs, thing. Yeah, at its at its best. And one of our best debaters, Dave Hempstead, has described it this way. At its best, it's a three-person play that's part scripted, part improvised, and you never know what's going to happen. And the audience can see stuff being created. So it's like an... It's like the best kind of improv. Yeah. And with with stand-ups who have all that experience of delivering oh, jokes sure. by themselves. So it's a really unique thing, I think. Yeah. I love doing it. I love listening to some of the episodes, like just the wit that some of the people have and, and the mm-hmm. comedy, and, and it makes for just a, a amazing, amazing show. That opportunity for you is something that I think a lot of Canadian talent try, ultimately that's what they're going to try to venture towards is having some type of an opportunity here in Canada. That's been the theme, though, for a lot of Canadian uh, comedians coming up, that there's not enough opportunities for them in Canada. Is that something that you agree with, or, or do you think that uh, it's it, we have to start creating our own stuff as opposed to waiting for that phone call to come? 
you absolutely have to create your own. Mm -hmm. It's just never, you know, and it's unfortunate. And I, I, I am a big proponent of Canadian media giving comedy more uh, presence in whatever way they can, especially the news. I mean, I like sure. to know what's going on. And I would, you know, every time I sit around and watch a panel of, uh, of experts, and I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> but I only have one hand free, so it's like a tiny rabbit, uh, quote-unquote experts on the news, I just think to myself, where's the comedy expert in this to make this entertaining? You know right, what I mean? Right. To make it something that people are going to listen to. Because when you see a bunch of talking heads yeah. and the only people conceivably in the world that they that they could make laugh are, are each other. Right. Uh, you know, why don't you throw on a comedian with that? And that's, you know, a panel show like a Bill Maher show or, there, or there's so many examples in the UK. Yeah. Why don't we have that in Canada? It's a question that's been asked yeah. and it's never been satisfactorily answered and all the executives that I've ever heard of say, ah, we tried it and it didn't work. When? When did you try it? And when I don't did remember it not? there being any shows <laughs> right. that I've seen that, that doesn't, uh, that that has that type of flair, like yeah. uh, John Stewart or a, or a Daily Show type of a thing uh, That's format. Right. And they I've just always wondered because turn I think there's a ton of material there. I think there. I mean, Canadian politics. I mean, American politics is fascinating, just in the sense of it's a it's just a clown show that, that happens down there. Yeah. But I mean, I've I've got a very huge passion for politics in Canada. I, I'm fascinated with what's going on in this country, and I'm I'm surprised that. The only real show that pokes fun at anything remotely would be like probably like a this hour is twenty two minutes or something like that, but or a Mercer and Mercer yeah. has those little segments. And I know you know I have friends that write on the on the Mercer staff and they're mm -hmm. funny guys, but yeah. uh, it's not the same as having a bunch of really sharp people. And and you know and I, I have lots of friends on twenty two and they do a great job at what they do, but right. I'm not necessarily. I don't want to do a character sketches of things. Sure. I want to actually have commentary on stuff and and make that conversation funny mm -hmm. and and bring in actual expert guests and invite yeah. them to you know participate in the comedy um but also have the comedy make a point and i think you know in that way selfishly i think the debaters is kind of the closest we have to Absolutely. that at times we're, yeah. we're debating topics that are not that serious a lot but mm -hmm. the the writing that goes into it that exercise is is the comedy that I like, they, yeah. they make facts, they make points and mm -hmm. they back them up and then they make them funny. And that's yeah. the kind of comedy that I like that makes a point. And you know, you might disagree with their opinion, mm -hmm. but you can't disagree with the accuracy of the, and the factual content of the comedy. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that we're ever going to get to that point where, where we're going to be able to, to start promoting some of those shows and, and developing some of those shows? I know that, uh, you know, there's businesses like Chorus Entertainment that just mm -hmm. bought, you know, huge investments in some of the media business in Canada. But do you think we're ever going to evolve to that point? Or do you think that we're always going to be looking at uh, needing the move to larger markets in order to facilitate those things? Well, I sure hope we do. And I'd like to be a part of it. And mm -hmm. I'm in the process of pitching with a, a producer that I really like right now. And I think that um, the, the traditional model is kind of dying off anyway in broadcasting right. of, you know, oh, we better, we got, we can pitch to either CBC or CTV. And if they don't the like it, well, no one will see it. <laughs> yeah. If you want people to see it, you, you put it out there and, and ultimately the people will decide. And that's actually how the broadcasters are deciding what gets made now is mm -hmm. how many views does this thing have on YouTube? Oh, now, now we can discover this thing that's, right, right. that a million people have <laughs> seen already. already. So, um, <laughs> There the opportunities there, you know, and you can't really say it's not. And it's tough because you, 
at you want I'm, I'm moving towards the production side now and right. helping with that because if you know I'm not going to wait around no one can wait around to find the perfect producer for them you've got to sure. kind of learn that stuff and it's easy to kind of sit here and go ah Canada will never do this um, but it's if if you want to change it then um, then you have to take a bit of a of a stake in it yourself so yeah I'm trying to trying to be a part of that right now and I hope there's more opportunities that come up and you know, I talk with the executives in places and they're nice people and they say they want to do stuff. They just, right. no one seems to have figured out how to do that right. yet. So right. I'm, I'm trying, Jake, I promise. I, I, <laughs> hey, might, I might break that, crack that nut when I'm 65. <laughs> One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was uh, you've had, you know, obviously considerable success in your career. I've talked to a lot of comedians that have, that are in your position right now they don't need to go on the road every week they don't need to go out and do club dates you know there's plenty of corporate stuff there's media stuff that they can do one of the quotes that i really enjoyed that you had said about doing club runs you said i miss it because you need the bite you need the edge i don't want to become the corporate guy that's just doing corporate shows all the time i would hate that do you find that that uh that when you go out there to those club the 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 live shows and you get that interaction with the audience is that is that a form of recharging your batteries a bit Absolutely, and I should clarify in case any of my uh, fine corporate uh, clients are listening. <laughs> I don't hate that. <laughs> I quite enjoy doing that, but you know, you you ha- I agree that you have to find some edge and some bite in your comedy. And if you're doing comedy that everyone likes, you're mm-hmm. doing something wrong. I, I really believe that. Right. And it takes a while to embrace that that uh, mentality of I need to try to please everyone and you know you see the guy you see guys doing doing arenas and you know the yeah. Russell Peters of the world and sure. you're and you're like god how do how do I do that but he didn't he didn't do that by saying I'm I'm going to sell out stadiums with this stuff he's doing stuff that he honestly believes and he found a ma- a massive audience and mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's a funny guy, and, yeah. and there's lots of comics that begrudge that kind of success of others. I don't. I mean, go out and do it right. <laughs> if, if you can. And Russell's helped a lot of younger comics and has them sure. on his show to open and stuff. So, And Jerry D's another one that's, you know, made himself. And, uh, and That's his, the other guy I was actually, I interviewed a while back, and he, very similar, he does club club dates yep. every year. Yeah, another guy that said that too. Yeah, yeah so it's, uh, I don't even know if I'm answering the question, but... Um, it's a different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit more like a, I don't want to call it a fight, but you know when you're doing a show in a theater, it's 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 well set up. You've got all the time you need. You know right. it's, it's it's everyone's facing you. They're in a soft seat. There isn't people milling around with drinks. Mm-hmm. The tickets are generally a little higher priced, which weeds out a few people. Sure. <laughs> Not always though. I will point out that there are towns where where the people you don't think are going to pay forty bucks a ticket, they <laughs> pay forty bucks a ticket, and they still show up hammered. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you're right. There's not, you know, you're not dealing with basher parties and stagettes right, and all right. that type of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've, you know, you you find that you can. It's it's a treat to do them once you've done them, but to find the real humor in in your in your sets and and it's just an energy to me at this point. It's it's not necessarily wordsmithing. I'm I'm not a giant fan of doing a you know ten minute seven minute. <laughs> four minutes sometimes showcase right. set and being like bang 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 because it's it's a certain style that you have sure. to all of a sudden have and right. i like to take uh, an hour or at least at least uh, 20 30 minutes to you know set something up 
initially and then come back to it later and right. build that whole thing and, and have room in the middle to kind of roam around and just free association. And yeah. another guy who would be an inspiration on that is Billy Connolly. I've seen mm-hmm. him a few times and I love amazing. Him. amazing. He starts word. off bang and he knows where he's going to go by the end. Right. But in the middle, you can just tell, I mean, he forgets where, where he is, but it's part of the charm. It's part of the show. That's the beauty of it. And, and, you know, especially people that are such gifted raconteurs, you know, people you can tell really good, good stories and it takes a while. And it, you know, for a lot of comedians, it's, it's a real risk that if you're going to spend five minutes working your way to a punchline right. or 10 or 10 minutes that you better have that audience captivated by the time you get there. It better be a big payoff. It's yeah. a big payoff. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's in the clubs. You kind of are finding that those, those moments to me, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I'm having a great time this weekend. And, you know, my wife, who's, who's also my manager, as you can hear it, she's in, in my voice. She's <laughs> like, you love doing this. And, you know, you got to do what you do to make your make your money. And, you yeah. know, the clubs do pay you more once you've, you know, sure. been around for a while. And that's great. But it's um, it's a different kind of show, I think, than a theater show. When I build my theater shows, it's, uh, you know, I, I've scripted a little bit more of it. And, right. uh, and I, you know, it's got to have a consistency from theater to theater. You can't. Sure. You can't go out in, uh, you know, I don't know what an example be. You can't go out in Calgary and do one show at their theater, and then the people have heard about this show called This Is Not Debatable, and they go see it in Halifax, and it's a totally different show. Exactly. You just can't really do that. Right, so. right. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings us to our next point. Before I let you go, let's talk about that. You've got uh, the the iTunes album out right now. You mm-hmm. said you're writing a book as well. What yeah. else is on the plate for you? What's up, coming up next for you? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm hosting the Canadian Screen Awards uh, Industry Night for the third time. So Amazing. I've sort of become the Ricky Gervais of the, uh, the Canadian <laughs> entertainment be, industry. Man. And yeah. they've actually um, they've got me doing something like I'm going to be hosting a half hour show before the broadcast show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be helping in the writing with Norm MacDonald for the because he's hosting the actual broadcast awesome. show. So yeah. that's kind of my focus for the next couple months. Um, and right after that, I've got... Uh, I'm it's funny that we, you brought this up, but we're, we're actually going to shoot a demo uh, with myself and my production partner on exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Trying to show Canadians the kind of show that we should have. And it's unfortunate, but it's gotten to the point where we, we're going to make it that we're not just going to market it to Canadians because right. I think we've got the shows in Canada that are very funny two Canadians but might not be funny anywhere else just because right. of the references. And sure. we want to make it that, you know, this is what's happening in Canada, absolutely. But you don't have to be Canadian to get it. I think right. that's the show we want to do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's a big focus of mine after I get done. You know, a couple more of these these hosting gigs that I have coming up, and um, and then I'll I'll see beyond that. You know, I I know I've got dates lined up. Uh, I just don't know exactly where they are. And then I, I will do another tour, but I don't know if it's going to be before the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, another theater tour, you know. But uh, right now I'm just enjoying the stand up. Yeah. times I get and we got to finish this season of debaters which goes on until June so yeah you know you sort of plan your life in like six months six month blocks, blocks I think <laughs> and then see where you are at the end of the six months but it helps to have a manager that's like you know you don't you can't just get to the end of the six months and then try to book something <laughs> next week it doesn't happen that way we got a schedule ahead consistent work here. yeah yeah so uh, thank god I have my wife doing that or that's else amazing, I, yeah that's I would great. just stop working and be like I don't know what happens now I, guess I just lie down <laughs> babe they're gonna call I promise yeah, yeah for sure work on this. yeah don't we'll call tomorrow it. oh man where can people find you? you've got a great twitter I just followed you on uh, twitter you've got a, a fantastic website uh why don't you throw some plugs out there twitter 
Steve uh, at Steve uh, Patterson. Correct? It is not. No, it's no. Uh, it's at Patterballs. 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 A nickname yeah. that was given to me by Russell Peters a long time ago, <laughs> and and when I was, you know, by the time I went to sign up for Twitter, obviously Steve Patterson's one of the most common names in the world. So <laughs> I would have been, you know, either Steve Patterson one hundred nine, or I would have been. I didn't want to be, you know, the Steve Patterson. It's a pet peeve of mine when people are like, I am the. So uh, I went with that, and ironically, that was, uh, you know, not taken, and. <laughs> CBC's not crazy about it. I'm not going to lie to you. It looks they, whenever I'm appearing, they're like, and we'll be interviewing Patterballs. Uh, but, you know, it stands out. So uh, that's my Twitter. I'm on there a lot. I enjoy that for the writing yeah. exercise of it. And uh, the website is stevepatterson.ca, not .com. That is right. an American motivational speaker yeah. <laughs> who my friends... Uh, some people from Ireland, when I toured over there, went to that site because I didn't have a site yet and thought it was a, a faux site that I had set up. No way. And sent to this poor guy who's got all these quotes, <laughs> uh, all these motivational quotes and pictures of himself. <laughs> they sent him comments going, this is the funniest fake site I've ever seen. Where'd you get the picture of this guy? These words are ridiculous. And it was the guy pouring out his soul. So it's stevepatterson.ca is the website. Oh, beautiful. Hey, Steve, thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate thanks a lot, man. You know, I have to say that, uh, you, you, you know, I get to do a lot, quite a few interviews and this has been a, a unique one. I didn't have to answer questions that I uh, have answered a thousand times and uh, you actually did your research and had some quotes that I don't even remember saying so even if you made them up they're good <laughs> and uh, I'm going to call my producers and we are going to officially change the name of my show to the debaters the, the debaters on CBC <laughs> alright let's get back to watching Snowmageddon here on CNN <laughs> All right, folks, and there you have it, Mr. Steve Patterson, legendary comedian and an amazing talent. Uh, thanks again, Steve, for coming on the show. And stick around, folks. we got some great interviews coming up next week. We should be dropping another great episode. Old buddy of mine, Frank Prather, casting director from Los Angeles and a uh, comedian and uh, runs a great podcast. So, folks, stick around. Lots of great interviews coming up on behalf of myself, Jake Hirsch, your host, and, of course, the entire Yuck Yucks crew. Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer Kira Williams, and of course our webmaster, the wonderful, the amazing Camille Sorovi. And of course, thank you to Lane Argue for our music. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week.